Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Unfortunately, it doesn't say removal of your mind. Amen. So we realize that that like you know the transformation that we desire in our lives comes from changing our thinking, not from removing our minds. A lot of people, when they become Christians, it seems like a I don't I don't know that that, that we want to just turn our brains off and uh, just exist, or I don't know, <laughs> something like that. But it's not wrong to think about things. It's not wrong to ask questions. It's not wrong to process things like that, because understanding is what brings fruitfulness. Amen? So, so don't just receive, accept everything that you hear, not from this pulpit and from out there, and you know, from, from the people who love fishwife sales and stuff like that, you know, conspiracy theories and whatever, test it. Get into the Word and test it and, and be, allow yourself to be challenged. I, I love this phrase that I heard um, a couple of years back. It says, um, uh, confrontation is the portal for the renewed mind. So it's like a lot of us never want to be challenged on what we believe. If we're honest, we just want to, we just want to kind of coast through it and enjoy life and you know, our Christian faith and stuff like that. But that assumes that we know everything and that everything we know is 100% right. How many of you have ever been challenged in what you believe? And you sit there and you're like, well, you know, this isn't, I'm not used to this. And then you have the opportunity to investigate or reject or just accept it. I want to challenge you every single time, investigate it. Don't just accept things and don't just reject things, but investigate it. Study it out and dig in so that you, because you might be missing out on an opportunity to grow. That, that's huge. I mean, you know, what's it, John um, 8.32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So, all of us maybe want to step into more freedom, more, more of the abundant life that God's got for us. We want to experience more of, of this, but here's the thing, we, we, we've got to allow ourselves to be confronted with new information sometimes in order to step into those realms of more freedom. Those, those growth or that maturity that God's got for us. You know, all we need to do to be confronted with truth or to renew our minds, that will cause us to grow. You know, because do you agree you've got, you got some growing to do? Okay? If you've got some growing to do, that means you should allow yourself to be confronted. Because otherwise, it's like you're assuming you're in a place of pride where everything's fine, everything's, you know, I, I lived like that for years, and I was like, I think I know everything. <laughs> you know, and, and it's like I'm, a couple of years back, what was it, two years ago, a friend of mine challenged me with wine sauce, and I was like, you're wrong. And as I investigated and studied it out, I realized I'm wrong. <laughs> and I realized I've got some, some growing to do. And, you know, I went and investigated and I was like, wow. You know, it's not like major things. Jesus is Jesus and he died, he rose from the dead, he sent his spirit. All that. Like, it's not the essentials, but it's like there's always little things in our hearts or in our lives, in our system of belief, which is holding us back from everything that God's got for us. And if you disagree with me, when last did you raise someone from the dead? Like, let's, let's make it more simple. When last did you see someone healed? 
You know, like, when do you see this on a consistent basis? Just based on those things, I realize, well, I've still got a lot to learn. You know? And, 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 and assuming otherwise is pride. So since we started off on such a high note, let me say that we're looking at the reality of Christianity. And it's, you know, the reason for this is because it's easy to slip into religion. Just business as usual, or just the, the rhythm of, I worship God, I receive the word, I give some money, I go home, I do this, I live a good life. And, and yet, like I said last week, you can live like that, have a, a faithful devotion time every day, read your Bible, pray, and not connect with God. Yeah, I was really challenged by that thought last week and, 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 and encouraged, like when I'm praying, not to just pray because it's the thing that I do every day, but to pray to connect with Him and have relationship with Him because that's what Christianity is about, is that, that, that relationship. You know, there's, a, there's a tangibility to Christianity that, that you don't find outside of Christ. You know, we've we, we got to awaken to this. Many Christians are missing out on this tangibility. And once again, I'm not being, um, what's it, experience driven, but our faith needs to have an experience. Otherwise, what, what's happening? You don't want to say, I believe that, 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 that um, there's healing. And then when, when some, someone's sick, you don't ever see healing, but I believe in healing. You want the experience of healing, amen? You want to see something happen. It's the same thing with God. God is real. His power is living in you. Yes. It's not a, a kind of just a, a mental ascent. You want to experience something. And so when we, we, we step into this, this, this depth of faith, I believe there's something for us to experience. In worship, it shouldn't be like a just a, oh wow, this is a cool song, or oh, I don't like this song. There's some songs I really don't like. I've already told, uh, when she sends through suggestions, I'm like, please never ask about that song again. Because <laughs> there's some songs that are, for me are just cringeworthy. And it's not the lyrics, it's somehow just the song. And I'm like, I, I just, like, when we hear it on the radio, I'm like, you know, turn it off. You know? And so like, yeah, I've got problems with that. But the point is, when we're coming to worship, it's not about the song. It's about connecting to Him. And even if you don't know the songs, it doesn't matter. Because it's about connecting to Him, receiving from Him, so we can encourage and minister to one another. That's what we're aiming at in a service. I love the fact that you're keeping that seat warm. <laughs> but that's not the aim of this service. The aim of this service or gathering is for us to participate together. If you're a Christian, you've got Jesus living in you. You can receive from Him personally and enjoy your little moment with him there or you can also receive from him and then come and partake by saying your god really just encouraged me with this scripture and then it encourages more people i mean some, you know, a couple of weeks back we had someone share a scripture and as they shared it i was like eh, i don't know about that one and it was like profound it was awesome it was spot on for someone it just shows you Okay, so don't underestimate the slight just impression that you have on your heart. But there's a tangibility which we as believers are meant to walk in, and we're going to talk a bit about that. Okay, from Ephesians, no, uh, I, I promise. So, <laughs> the purpose of my message is really always not to get you to do something as much as you to awaken to the reality of who you are in Christ and what you've got. So, if you realize that you've got Jesus living in you, that you've got Him. Then it's a case of not trying to get him. <laughs> it's like, then you realize you've got the spirit, you've got him. What, what, what does that mean? It means all you do is you just make, be sensitive to what he's saying. You're not trying to get him to talk to you. My sheep do hear my voice. 
Then it's a case of, what are you saying to me, God? And there's an impression on your heart and you step out and you share it. <clears throat> so let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Believe it or not, chapter 3. We're going to read from 1 to 6. It says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by His Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. I love this. Okay, verse 2 shows us, it uses the word dispensation, and sometimes that means period of time. In this case, it doesn't. Okay, Bible school students. <laughs> it doesn't mean period of time. In this case, it means stewardship. If you go and look it up there. And it, it, it changes everything because it's saying, verse 2, if, if needed, uh, where am I? Uh, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of the grace of God. Talking about the distribution of the grace of God. Okay, the gift of the grace of God. Okay, which was given to Paul for us. So it's like a, he's received something to give to us. It's not just a special time, it's a special gift. Okay, and this gift is a revelation, verse 3 and 4. The re this revelation was hidden. It was a mystery. Okay, I don't want to ask the question, who thinks God's mysterious? Hopefully you don't anymore. But most people think God is just mysterious. You can't really know God. You can't really know what He's up to. And yet this is clearly showing us that there was a mystery. It's no longer mysterious. Now it's been revealed to us. There's a revealing. So, as, as believers, we're not living in the dark. Okay? It's now revealed to us through Jesus. And Paul is here saying, I'm writing to you so that you may know this mystery and understand it. Okay? As believers, if we want to live fruitful lives, we have to know this mystery and understand it. It can't just be a, I've got my fire insurance. That's awesome. You've got your fire insurance. You're going to heaven. Great. But what about now? You won't experience the fruit of the Spirit. You'll be chasing for the fruit. You'll be trying to produce fruit of love. You'll be trying to be kind. You'll be trying to be patient. You'll be trying to have self-control and all those things. But when you realize that you've got that in you because you've got Jesus, all of a sudden it becomes effortless. But that comes from an understanding. So we need to seek understanding it. Verse 5 there says which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, but it has been now revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. Okay, verse 5 there is saying that this mystery was a mystery, but now it's revealed by His Spirit. Okay? The same Spirit that you have. The same Spirit that you have is what God Himself is revealing this through the Word to us, and He can reveal Himself to you. So it's not like you... Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to have in the body of Christ teachers who can teach and, and open things up to help us understand them. But you can get this at home. We come together for fellowship. We come together to share and whatever, and that's awesome. But, but God wants to reveal things to you as you sit in the Word. And He wants to reveal Himself to you. For what purpose? To grow in intimacy with Him. Not just, wow, that's interesting. 
Paul was in Ephesus. You know, not like facts and stuff like that, but something tangible that impacts your heart and brings transformation and change. Okay, verse 6 there says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. I love that. The Jews and Gentiles, everyone can be recipients of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. His promise. Now we've spoken a lot about this over the past couple of weeks. His promise. What is that talking about? What was promised from the beginning in Genesis all the way through so the Scriptures that God would dwell in man. And this is saying that this is the mystery revealed. Okay? The, the, the Passion puts it like this and says, Here's the secret. Okay? The gospel of grace has made you, non-Jew, non-Jewish believers, into co-heirs of His promise through your union with Him. And you have now become members of His body, one with the Anointed One. So this is saying that because of the gospel, now you're an heir, co-heir, of the promise, which is His Spirit now dwelling in you, because of your union with Him. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you became one with Him, and He came to live inside of you. And that's the promise fulfilled. Now you've got a lot of believers who are chasing different things. Okay, what's it? Um, John chapter 5, I think verse 39, says, Jesus speaking to, to the Pharisees, and He says, You search the Scriptures, because in them you think, by them you'll have eternal life. But you wouldn't come to me. What is he saying there? He's saying, hey, you're looking in the Bible to try and become prosperous, to try and get healed, to try and get purpose in your life. But you're looking for eternal life, but you're not looking for me. And I mean, Genesis to Malachi is what he was talking about and to, to them. And he's saying that this is all pointing to me and salvation in me. And for us, we kind of open the Bible and let's look for wisdom, let's look for this, let's look for that. But we should be looking for Jesus to come to know Him in a more intimate way. Because in Him is eternal life. Okay? Colossians 1.27 kind of paints the picture pretty quickly of what this mystery is. When at the end of that verse it says, This is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this is the mystery revealed. You have Jesus living in you. You're one with Him. Okay? You, you might have challenges, you might have problems, you might have things that you're going through right now, but this is the answer to those things. Is that, hey, I'm going to work where, I'm, where there's lots of problems and Jesus is with me. I'm one with Him. That means there's a problem at work, I've got access to wisdom, divine wisdom to deal with that problem. I've got creativity and, 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 and all of that to be able to deal with these issues. But also, I've got the Spirit of God to be able to minister to people. To be able to to encourage people who are hopeless. Because as a believer, you're not without hope. You might feel hopeless, but that's a lie. You're believing a lie if you feel hopeless. You're focused on the wrong thing. As a Christian, you've always got hope. You've got the God of all hope living inside of you. What more do you want? Okay? Let's go to Ephesians 3 verse 9. It says, And to make all see, this is what Paul's saying his desire and his passion is, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which 
from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. I like how it says that he wants to make all see what is the fellowship of this mystery. So he's saying, I, I like how he puts it there because he's not just saying this is a mystery like what's under this table. No, let me, let, let me reveal the mystery and I pick up the tablecloth and you see it's a table. And now the mystery is revealed. You know, it's not like I have another tablecloth over here and or what's behind the door. And it's like you pick and, and it's a prize and then there's a car. I mean, that's awesome, but it's just something. You know, it, it, it's an object. This is the mystery revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's saying that, 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 that how does he put it there? That he wants us to see what is the fellowship of this mystery. The word fellowship, there's like, you know how what it's talking about. We had fellowship if, when you came in around pizza and, you know, you're talking over coffee or whatever. And it's like, that's fellowship. It's, it's relationship. So he's showing us that around this mystery, Christ in you, is relationship. This isn't just for some kind of uh, uh, um, religious observance or something. This is life. Jesus is living in you and you get to be a friend with him. Okay? But it's also... It, the word fellowship there is communion in the Greek. So he's saying that this is the communion of this gospel. Okay? Is that now you get to have this relationship with him. Okay? And another verse which speaks about that. John 14 verse 20. And that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. We were singing that in that song. Communion. <laughs> You know, like, like we think in church, we think communion, we think bread and cup. But the Bible doesn't talk about that as bread and cup. The Bible talks about that as in the Passover meal, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, whatever they call it. But it's, it's got every other phrase that to call it, every other label except communion in the Bible. We've somehow called it communion. When the Bible speaks about communion, it's talking about the relationship we have with the Father and the Son in the Spirit and the relationship we have with each other. This is the communion that we share as believers, is our oneness with each other and with the Father. That, that, that's powerful. We'll probably have to unpack that more, but we're not going to do that now. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 19. We're looking at Paul's prayer here for the, for the saints. We, we're building up towards that. And he says, and that, you would, that, that he would grant you. Okay, the word grant you, he's, he's, this is indicating that this is a wish. This is Paul's wish for us. This is his desire for us. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Okay, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. And it goes on there. But look at that. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit and then a man. I'm sure every single one of us wants to be strengthened with might, with power. Amen. You don't seem encouraged with that. But I'm sure you, you could do with some strengthening. On the inside. Because what strength on the inside will come to strength on the outside. It will give you a boldness in life. It will cause you to, to really rise up and to be able to, to just live like Jesus even. Have a good life. Okay? But look at it. Where are the riches of His glory? Because it says that, that, that we would be strengthened according 
to the riches of His glory. I bet the majority of us think about the riches of His glory as in the streets of gold. We think about something up in heaven. We think about something out there that, that, that that's what's going to strengthen me. I mean, most of the church looks at it like that. How do we know? Because of the silly songs that we sing. <laughs> we don't sing those kind of songs here, but like the silly songs of like praying for spirit to come. God can't answer that. Spirit come, like spirit fall on us. He can't. Like I know that in Acts it's described like that, but you've got to remember Acts is an historical book. It's a it's a photograph of what happened. It's an eyewitness account of what took place. And they used Old Testament language to describe what they saw. The spirit fell on the believers. But what actually happened was the Spirit was within Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and it, well, they, were, they were kind of drawing from that well of salvation and something started to happen. Something started to manifest. It came from within. It didn't come from somewhere up there. Okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> so where are the riches of His glory? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says it. Okay? That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So where are the glory of His, uh, the riches of His glory? In us as saints. Inside you, inside me, are the riches of His glory. So we don't look to be strengthened from somewhere out there. We look to be strengthened from within our relationship with God and I'm one with Him. We are inseparable. We're fused together. We've got constant union, constant fellowship, constant availability of power. It's just, He's always on. I'm always connected to Him. It's not like ESCOM. (laughs) We're always, like there's always a connection, but sometimes the power is not on. Amen? But with Christ, there's always the connection. There's never a disconnection, never separation between you and Him. And there's always power available. How many of you believe God's all-powerful? Some of us. The awesome thing is, is that that power, all-powerful God now lives in you. This is what we've got to awaken to. This is what we've got to realize. Okay? Ephesians 3.16. Then it also says there that we would be strengthened with might through His Spirit. I love this part of the verse. Because strengthened with might through His Spirit. For whatever reason, I don't know why the translators did this, but they often translate dunamis into different words, might and power. And that word might there is power. It's dunamis. So we want, and it's referring to the Spirit. <clears throat> okay? So he's saying that, <clears throat> and that comes from Acts 1.8, you receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So it's all just pointing to this relationship that we have with God. Okay, this, this dunam, When it's talking about dunamis, might or power, it's talking about God's ability. You will receive God's ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Christianity. He that is joined into the Lord is one spirit with Him. We kind of, in our heads and in our hearts, have hierarchy in the the church. You know, a pastor or someone else is, is maybe higher up than just a regular believer. And so they have more power. No, we don't. 
Okay, we've all got the Spirit of God, we've all got the same Word, we've all got the same Spirit, we all have the same ability, and that ability is the ability of God. We might have different functions, but we've got the same unction. Can't help but rhyme, sorry. But we've got to realize that, that, that anything that anyone in the body of Christ can do, you can do as well, because we've got the same Spirit. We operate in different faith. And that's why the word then Paul says, you know, let, let, like if it's prophesy, if your gift is prophesying, do it in accordance with your faith. So it's like in, in proportion to your, uh, where you're at, step out and go for it. So there's no condemnation if you're baby Christian or if you're a mature Christian. You've both got the same spirit. The sa- and the ba- the, there's no baby Jesus, like I said last week, or baby Holy Spirit. Power packed, fully loaded. You're just growing in your understanding of what you've got. Okay, so this is salvation we're talking about. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 21. This is Paul's first prayer in the the book of Ephesians. And it says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. He's, He's not praying for you to have more power. We're talking about power here. He's not praying for you to have more power. He's praying that your eyes would be enlightened, that you would see. Now have a revelation, an understanding of something that you've already got. Something that's already in you. Okay? That you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in you, the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He uh, uh, worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. And it goes on. The point that I want to make here is that the power that Paul's talking about is not external. The power, like, uh, I'm going to give you a... a, a, um, a snapshot of where we're going in a few minutes. Ephesians 3.20. Okay? Ephesians 3.20. God is able to do measurably more, blah, blah, blah. You know that verse? We're going to read it in a bit. Okay? But the power to make that happen is in you. It's not external. Often when we need a miracle, when we're needing something or whatever, power, when you need power for whatever, we're kind of looking out. Or even towards the man or woman of God. To receive from them because they maybe have the power. But we need to start seeing ourselves as, I've got the power. And I'm a distributor of it because I'm a Christian. Not because I'm a pastor, prophet, evangelist, pastor, apostle, whatever. But it's like, I am a Christian. And a Christian is somebody who's got the power of God in them. And through their their, their words of boldness and through their actions, they can distribute that power to somebody who has need. So, hey, you're sick, let me pray for you. And you minister that power to see someone well. That power also works in encouragement and in love. (laughs) So don't always just think manifestation of healing and things, although that's included. But what I'm showing you is this is normal Christianity. Okay? So the power that Paul's talking about is not external. And as a believer, you're not deficient ever in this power. Okay, the power is in you and it's actually Christ himself. Okay, so let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3 because that's where we are supposed to be. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 to 19. And we look at that last prayer uh, in this uh, um, um, uh, chapter. He says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love, okay, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now verse 17, unfortunately, many translations seem to bring across the idea that because of your faith now Jesus comes to live in you. And that is true in a sense of salvation, but it's not true in a sense of, now, Michael, who is a Christian, is, is, is through faith, has Jesus coming to visit him in his heart. If you're a Christian, Jesus is residing in your heart. Okay? So, you know, um, uh, uh, there are other verses which obviously confirm our oneness with Christ and that we're His dwelling place and we're one with Him. And so, you know, the, and, and the gospel message is about Jesus coming to permanently dwell in the believer. Permanently. Permanently. Don't, don't think about God as in visiting me. Visiting you. I'm visiting with God. You're always connected. Always. Even on your worst day. Even on your best day. Okay? That word dwell is actually... That, uh, in the Greek, it's, 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 you can define it as a permanent dwelling place. A permanent abode. It's talking about something that's fixed. Not something that's temporary. You are the permanent dwelling place of God. So a better translator would be, Christ does dwell in your heart through faith. Not through holiness. Not because you're doing something. But Christ dwells in your heart because you've believed. Okay? Christ dwells in you because you believe. Okay? This is talking about the indwelling power of Christ in you. The Passion puts it like this, Ephesians 3.17. Then, by constant using, constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of His love will become the very source and root of your life. So this is talking about salvation. This is talking about what you've got as a believer. And Paul's praying that you would realize this. And he's now also explaining to you how to um, access that. And, and, and we'll look at it now. But in other words, what he's saying is you've already got Christ living in you. And that's where the power lies. Because we, we know, okay, I've got Jesus living in me. Jesus is in my heart. We kind of, as Christians, if you grew up in Christian circles, you, you're kind of probably well grounded in that. But here's the thing. When we need... When you've got a need, when you're, when you're praying for a miracle or whatever, most of us have this view then of it, the answer somewhere there, not the answer somewhere here. You've got God living in you, Jesus in His fullness, the Spirit of God. And it's not just an idea, it's a reality that you need to realize. Okay? So we are full, and then it's the, the last part of that verse, verse 19. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is really saying that you would be filled with all the ability of God. Okay, that, that something would come out of you. Something good. Amen? Ephesians 3.20 Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now, I think most of us are well versed in this, that we, we know that it's according to the power. God is able to do immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly, but not by Himself. It's according to the power that's at work within me. So we are co-workers, co-laborers with Christ. Okay? 
we need to work with Him to get His work done on the earth, allowing the Spirit to flow through us. Okay. The interesting thing, uh, the word now can also be better uh, translated as moreover. Okay, so it's because it, it's linking everything that's been said now to, to this, this current thought, and it's saying, moreover, because it's advancing the thoughtship that uh, um, God is able to do immeasurably more. And it's talking about this power that's at work in you, this power that's now resident in you. So it's not a separate thought, that's the problem with just picking out scriptures and saying, God's able to do immeasurably more. And leave out the rest according to the power at work. And leaving out everything before that that describes and shows you that the power is actually in you. The power is in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. Okay? And then it says, worketh in us. According to the power that works in us. The phrase works in us is actually saying that, that, that this power is always working. It's not now you switching it on and switching it off. You might be releasing it into your life, but you need to realize that this power is working in you even when you don't realize. The, the Greek word there is energeo, which isn't like a, you switching it off and on. You might be releasing it and experiencing it or not, but it's always at work in you. When does God sleep? Exactly. <laughs> He's at work in your life and in you, constantly trying to get you to, to experience more of His love and His goodness. Okay? So the power to accomplish this exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think or imagine, as some translations say, this power to accomplish that is in us as believers. Not us as ministers or us as a special group of Christians because we, we did something like fast or whatever. This is living in you. This is salvation. The power to get the work done. So, I want to talk just to, for a little bit about how does this power come. Okay, Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay. Hold your stones for a second. <laughs> Jesus, as I was thinking about this, Jesus saying, I mean, just before this, He says, Wait in Jerusalem. Until you receive the promise of my Father, the Holy Spirit. He's saying, wait to His disciples. Until you've been empowered with the Spirit. Then you can go out and you can change the world. But He's saying, wait. Okay? Jesus' death and resurrection was incomplete without this. Because the Spirit coming was the purpose of the death and resurrection. It was everything leading together. You can't take it in isolation. You know, we, we, we shouldn't focus on just the death without the resurrection. We shouldn't focus just on the death and resurrection without the Spirit coming. Because this is one package deal for us. God wants us to experience all of Him. Not just be like, yay, I'm forgiven. Yay, I'm a new creation. Yay, I, I, it should be, I'm also now His dwelling place. I've got God living in me. I've got His power. I've got His Spirit living in me. You know, so, the other thing I want to pull out from this, it says there, and you shall be witnesses to me, Jesus speaking, so to Jesus. It doesn't say you'll do witnessing. So what is witnessing? 
Think about it for a moment. What is witnessing? Okay, because as a, as, a, as, a, as a church family, wherever we go in the week and whatever we're doing, we're called to be witnesses. Okay, and part of that is to influence people, to reach people for Jesus. But what is that? How is that? Let me, let me, let me, let me say this. Witnessing isn't preaching the gospel. Witnessing isn't sharing your testimony. Those things are good and I'm not against them, evidently. But what I want you to see is that there's witnessing is something different. We call witnessing like we're going to go witnessing. We're going to go soul winning and witness to people. And what are we going to do? We're going to share our testimony. We're going to share the gospel with people. But that's not witnessing. I'll show you now. Okay. We are witnesses because we've been marked with the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 again says, you, you know, when you believe the gospel, you were sealed with the, the Holy Spirit of promise. And that word sealed is marked. And so He's marked you with His Spirit. He's set you apart. It's not just like a tattoo. Okay? It's that He's... he's, he, he, he's uh, I explained it a couple of weeks back. It's the mark of authenticity. To say that, that you are the real deal. And this Spirit, this, this mark of authenticity that shows that you are the real deal is the power of God. The supernatural miracle working ability of God. Okay? So to witness means to give tangible, indisputable evidence of truth. Okay? How do we do this? It's by displaying His love and His power. Okay? So preaching the gospel and sharing our testimony or whatever is one thing. But displaying love, displaying the gospel, displaying His power is something else. Okay? Let me put it like this. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, We are like common clay pots that carry this glorious treasure within, so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. So in this natural body, in your natural body, right now, is something that's not natural. It's God. Something supernatural. Okay? It's a power that exceeds human ability. And when we, 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 we put this power to work and allow it out, it is evidence. Okay? It, we become the witness. Our life becomes the evidence. So you can be a Christian who never displays any fruit and you have no evidence. Evidence would be, I'm allowing God to change my life and I'm allowing God out of me to be able to, for people to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control and the power of God when there's healing needed or whatever the case is. I'm not just normal. I'm extra normal, supernatural. Amen? So, so this is what it's talking about, witnessing, is that your life tells a story. That, that the, your actions are telling a story. That, you know, you, you, you all of a sudden you're, you're having a... Um, um, I haven't shared this here in Rondebosch yet, but like, let's say you're having a lunch or something with some colleagues or some friends, and then it just comes out like, they're like, what are you doing, you know, Ben, on, 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 on the weekend? He's like, no, I was at church. And they're like, what? You were at church? I didn't think you were a Christian. We've been friends for like 10 years. Like, how, how did I not know this about you? No evidence. 
No evidence. It's not about, that's not a true story by the way. It's not about you like telling people just that you're a Christian. That's a good thing. But it's about them seeing something different in you. And then when something supernatural is necessary, you're there. You're God's answer for that situation. Okay? Being a witness is about having unexplainable results. Having an unexplainable life. How, how, how does your life just work out for you? How is it that, that you've got so much favor with people and stuff? Well, <laughs> and then you can share that, you know, your faith in God and your, your relationship with God and this is the fruit of that. And they're like, they don't believe you, but they're like, wow, must something, you know, there, there's something there. Amen? I'm going to show you from, from Acts 14. Okay. We're going to read from 7 down to 18. It says... And there they preached the good news. So what did they do? They witnessed. No. (laughs) They preached the gospel, the good news. Okay? Verse 8. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, and so he had never walked. I love how this passage of Scripture puts it. Because it's, it's emphasizing the problem. This passage of Scripture is showing how severe the situation is. Because three things, okay? Not three things. Three things. <laughs> um, crippled feet. He was that way from birth, and he had never walked. Okay? If he was that way from birth, obviously he never walked. So the writer is trying to emphasize something. This guy needed help. <laughs> okay? He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. What was Paul doing? Preaching the good news. Sharing the message of the gospel. Okay? Looking straight at him, Paul realized that he had faith to be healed. So Paul called out in a loud voice. And he used words of authority and said, Stand up! And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. This man, who was crippled in his feet, was that way from birth and had never walked, all of a sudden responded to words... And was healed. Is that supernatural or is that natural? Okay, you're failing right now. (laughs) It's supernatural. Okay. Verse 11. When the crowd... So that is the evidence. That is the witness. Okay. He was preaching the gospel, which is just... I mean, there's every other... Every other... Every religion has a message. Cults have a message. But here you see that there isn't just a message, there's tangibility. There's tangibility. Okay? So, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, doesn't say what God had done. It says what Paul had done. We often in situations we're like, God, just touch that guy. Just, just that shame. I feel so sorry for them. Lord, just, just, just minister to them. Now, I was challenged like this a, a couple of years back. I went to the, the post office and there's a blind guy sitting outside. And I was like, now I'm feeling pressure to go and pray for him. And I'm avoiding him. And I walked past him to give him some money because I thought that then at least it eases my conscience. And I, I gave him some money and he says... Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I saw he was busy reading, you know, Braille. And he says to me, um, uh, thank you so much. You could hear the money going in. 
or he felt me or something close to him. And then he says, um, I said to him, yeah, what are you reading? He's like, the Bible. <laughs> like, Lord, this is horrible. Like, I'm just, this is such a setup. And so then he's like, I said, like, well, I know that, you know, it's, 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 it's one, that's definitely not the Bible he's reading. It's a part of it. And he's like, what? I said, what are you reading? He's like, in John. I was like, oh, cool. I was like, what's your favorite part? He's like, where, where, where Jesus forgives the, the man on the cross. Like, great, this is an opportunity. I was like, do you know Jesus? Listen to him, we're talking. He said, yeah, I also like the part where Jesus heals the blind man. I said, well, he can do that now. Let's pray. We didn't see him completely see, but he could definitely had a notable in, um, improvement. And that from where I am to where Remus is, he couldn't see that far. And after praying three times, he could see that far. In the sense of, there's a man or there's a woman. So there was a tangibility. I couldn't get it all the way for whatever reason. But the point is, is that the power of God in me flowed out of me to minister to someone. And it wouldn't have happened by accident or just because God wanted it. God wants it. We have to step out. And I'm not just talking about healing. I'm talking about everything. Okay? And so... The crowd saw what Paul had done, and they shouted in their own dialect, These men are gods in human form. So they decided that Barnabas was a Greek god Zeus, and that Paul was Hermas, since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus uh, was located just outside the town. So the priests of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gate, and they prepared to offer sacrifices to the apostles. It's very sad that... Um, a lot of ministers who maybe perform a miracle nowadays would love this kind of treatment. <laughs> Verse 14. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay. They ran out among the people, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings, just like you. We are clay pots but we've got the power of God in us. We're just like you, but we've got the power. We, we've got this relationship with Jesus. Okay? We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worth, worthless things and turn to the living God. Not turn to religion, not turn to a system, but turn to a living God, a relationship with Him. Okay? Who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In past times He permitted all nations to go their own ways, but He never left them without evidence of Himself and of His goodness. For instance, He sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them. So you see that they preached the good news and then they witnessed. Paul was preaching the gospel and then he became a witness by delivering power through his words. Okay? Then the response from the people is, these must be gods. Okay? Why? Because they saw something that could only be supernatural. Because how else do you explain something like this? It has to be something supernatural, something of God. Then even though you know, Paul and Barnabas uh, uh, reject the, the sacrifices and the honor and the praise for the miracle, the people are persistent. Why? Because they know what they saw. It was undeniable evidence of a living God. Okay? Now, I don't nearly see as many miracles and healings as I would like to see. But I have seen blind eyes open. Another guy, not that guy, but I went on a mission trip and we saw blind eyes open in the Malagasy rainforest. It was awesome. 
We've seen different miracles. We've seen, you know, uh, uh, my mother's been healed of a, a, a fish allergy that she had for 14 years. We've, we've seen different things happening. There, there's definitely, you guys have testimonies, I'm pretty sure. There's a tangibility to Christianity. There's a reality to Christianity. Why doesn't it always happen? I don't know. But the point is it happens. <laughs> the point is that we, can, we should be seeing things like this. But the point is we don't expect it nearly as much as we should. Because we live in this world and so we easily just kind of fall in line with everything the way that it goes. Think about COVID, for example. Obviously, we have to do certain things like wear masks and observe protocol and fulfill righteousness, if you want to say it. Okay? There are certain things we have to do to be right with the government and to protect each other because not everybody's in the same places of faith. Okay? But in end of December, beginning of January, I got COVID. My wife got COVID. I, I had it bad. My mom got COVID. We all had COVID. We overcame it. That's the testament. <laughs> okay? A friend of mine, the, the pastor in Zimbabwe, he got COVID. And he was like, he phoned me, he sounded terrible. And he was like, you know, pray for me. And I prayed for him. And he's like, uh, he's going to, this was a few months after I overcame it. And he's like, um, uh, 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 he's going to just go home, he's going to pray, and he's going to go for a retest tomorrow. <laughs> he went home, he prayed, he went for the retest, he went back to work. Because he was clear. That's how we should be living. It's, it's expecting things that are unexpectable, if that's a word. But we should be expecting things that are supernatural. And how can we do that? Well, the answer is Christianity. Now you might not be familiar with this kind of Christianity, but this is the Christianity of the Bible. <laughs> that there's a living God inside of us as Christians whether you're one minute old as a Christian or whether you're 10 years old as a Christian and that same God that's in you raised Jesus from the dead and that same God that's in you has the power to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, do whatever needs to get done but it's up to you to step into that and expect that and release that. I shared the testimony a couple of weeks back when we were in Zim last month. Myself and Peter, the pastor from Stellenbosch, and, uh, you know, I was, we were sitting in the car waiting for the pastor to go and get us something to drink. And I saw him walking in the parking lot. And I saw this woman hobbling across the parking lot, like walking like this. You know, and I was like, I, I looked at it and I was like, I wonder what, what, what Isaac's going to do now. And I saw him stop, come back and talk to the lady. And he said, and I heard him, why are you, you you're struggling to walk like that when your pastor is sitting in the car there? <laughs> <laughs> and then she turned around and she came to the car and he went off to go to the shop and she came to my door and I, I, I spoke to her and she said yeah, she twisted her ankle or something this morning I could see it was swelled up prayed for her completely swelling gone down she walked normally straight after that usually we're like well, you, you'll get better don't worry <laughs> we don't expect things to happen instantly but we should have an expectation of these things and so I, I, I want to finish off just with a challenge if you don't have this power in you, get saved. <laughs> Come up afterwards, say that you want to become a Christian and we'll pray for you. Then, the second thing is, is for us as Christians, if you've, if you, is, is realize that you've got this. And stop expecting to be normal. Okay? We all want to fit in. But as, as Christians, we, should, we shouldn't be fitting in with the world where 
you know, they, they don't realize that you're a Christian. Or, hey, you're just talking the talk, but we never, you, we never see that you're any different. They should see that you're different. Not just hear you always talking different. Hallelujah, praise God, glory to Jesus, you know. It shouldn't just be the talk, it should be the life, the fruit that's coming from you. The generosity, what does that mean? Generosity and giving your time and giving your money and helping people and serving them. And as we step out in these areas, people see Jesus. What did Jesus say? He said, um, by, he said many things, so you didn't know what I was going to say, right? He said, by this you will know, shall all men know that you are my disciples. By your church attendance. By your baptism. By your, you fill in the blank. Love for one another. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me, I know. <laughs> I was going to go there too. But what is love? Don't do it, don't do it. Okay. Where does love come from? I'll change the statement. Where does love come from? It's a fruit of the Spirit. And the word love there isn't just, oh, I love pizza. The word love there is self-sacrificial love. It's agape. This is a love that the world does not know. We often just see love, L-O-V-E, and we think uh, they love each other, and, and I love this tree, and I love my dog, and you know, we, we just think, like, love is love. It's not. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. Agape love is self-sacrificial love, that Christ would lay down His life for us. Okay? This is the kind of love that you and I can demonstrate because we've got it. It's a fruit, a byproduct of the Spirit. This is the evidence that you are authentic as a Christian. Is that you love others. That you, you lay down your life for others and they're like, why are you doing this for me? Hey, Jesus loves you and I wanted to just be a blessing to you. Whatever you're going to say, figure it out. <laughs> This is the point. We've got to, the challenge is that we've got to become aware of His presence. Aware that you are a carrier of His goodness, of His glory. And people are, without knowing it, waiting for you to step out and say, Hey, I actually have an answer for you with that. Can I encourage you? Can I pray for you? Can, can, I, can I minister healing? Whatever the situation is. You know, people won't always take it. I had a message, please pray for so-and-so. They're going in for an operation or whatever it was. And I was like, I can go. No, it's okay. Just pray for them. I was like, cool. <laughs> it can work like that. But the point is it doesn't have to. Like, you can also go and pray for people. But sometimes people won't want it. But step out. Amen? Amen. I kind of want to... Where's the mic? I want to I wanna even just get some testimonies from you guys before we close. So just, we're going to just take two or three, okay? Uh, 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 just a testimony of something where, which was miraculous, which you stepped out, you saw a miracle, or you saw a healing, or you saw self-sacrificial love in action, something. Okay, because the thing is, is like, I know that there's testimonies in the room, so, so someone's got something, so I've got lots to say, but I don't want to say everything all the time. But I want you guys to share, because it encourages that it's not always just the pastor or the leader. Every single one of us has the power of God in us. And so if there's no testimonies in this room, I'd be worried. But I know there are some. 
Okay? So you're on the spot, but who wants to go first? <laughs> you can come up after. Ben first. <laughs> go for it, Ben. So, is this one? Yeah. So when I was maybe like nine months ago, um, I was working at Tigerberg Hospital, um, and I, we were in lockdown. Yeah, we were in lockdown, so nothing was happening. Um, so I would get home whatever time I would finish my work, um, which would always be late, and then I'd run around in the parking lot um, underground just to get moving and sort of get my frustrations out. And we had a, an earthquake the previous day. I don't know if you guys remember a lot. <laughs> and I didn't know, but a part of the roof had fallen or the ground, I suppose, had fallen down. And I was running and I twisted my ankle on this rubble. Um, and it was, it was bad. I, tr- I actually passed out. It was so sure. bad. I heard a snap. And I found myself lying on the ground however long later. Um, and I stood up. Um, and this was, so during my time at Tigerberg, I was completely isolated from the church. I didn't, I just didn't have the time to, to get out. Um, so I didn't have people like intentionally praying into my life. And I'd been thinking or dwelling on the truth of God's power in me. Hmm. And when I woke up, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to accept this. It's an opportunity to see it. I'm not going to ask Etienne to pray for me. I'm going to speak to this foot. And I looked down and the foot was blue. So from the ankle to the sole underneath the foot was blue and I, I like I know what that means I, I work there and I was like, <laughs> like this is months of, of rehab and it was bad um, so I spoke to the foot got up started walking on it and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't glorious at all I walked my way I my way back home strapped it up but I spoke to it all the time I woke up again that night um, and it was just so so painful um, that I, I tried to walk on it again because I was not going to back off of this. So I walked on it and then I passed out again because of the pain. Um, and I woke up the next day for a 36-hour shift sure. on this foot. And I just refused. I said, I'm, like, I'm going to do this shift. Um, my wife organized me some crutches. I left them at home. Um, <laughs> she'll get over it. Um, and in about, I don't know, four or five days' time, that foot was fully functional. I could run again. Um, it's, it was still blue. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah. It's totally good. It's normal. It's awesome. normal, yeah. That's awesome. At least part of you is normal, eh? <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking of just... Um, this, this happened quite a while back, maybe a year and a bit ago. Um, but when my nephew was born, he's now two years and a bit. Um, yeah, sorry, I got the days wrong. Um, he was um, so he was three weeks by the time, yeah, they found out that um, he didn't have his bowel duct and some other organ, um, and so it was in that time that my sister and her husband and just many people um, prayed alongside them, and from what the doctors' report showed, um, that those two organs miraculously grew back. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, many of you guys heard this story before, oh, earlier today, but yesterday uh, I had a soccer game that I just about made and I injured my, my ankle. And it was, it was kind of painful, like I got hurt and then I told my coach I can't play anymore. And then I thought it was like one of those, he just walked it off and then, okay back on and then I did that and I think it just made it worse I came <laughs> home and then it was like I didn't really take note of it I couldn't really walk properly and then I was sitting 
I was sitting down and then I was looking at my ankle I was like why is it so why is the one foot bigger than the other foot and I saw it was swollen and I showed my mom and then she's like you're not made out of steel and then I so then I was like okay then then Aiden prayed for me and I was, I was just so then I was like why is the pain only coming now if I didn't feel it the whole day and then I was okay then I went to sleep and I, I was praying over it and I had a good night, night's rest I didn't feel it while I was sleeping so I was just so thankful for that but when I came to church this morning um, past Etienne and everyone just were in agreement with my ankle being healed and mm. at the moment I, 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 was so, I wasn't like pressured to like okay like act that was like better thank you guys but I was, I was actually really thankful and then I knew that, that I was healed and later in the day, I, I just started walking normal and just believing that I was healed. And now it's way better. Um, out of that scale from 1 to 10, it's like by 1 now. So I just, just a bit of healing, just a bit of rest, I mean, and then I should be fine. Awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Someone else want to share? Go for it, Esa. You can come up. It's also linked to, uh, similar to Michael um, this morning at, at Tigerberg. Um, for those of you who saw um, Wendy and Ephraim, um, Zimbabwe and Kabul, we got, to, uh, we got to minister to them also. I think it was now probably, yeah, their daughter is now a year and six months old. And I think, um, yeah, it was, I can't remember what, it was in their, I think, third, going into their third trimester, um, probably second or third trimester, I can't remember the details, but it was also a case of um, the scans showed that the baby's brain is um, only half developed um, to the degree that it was supposed to be at that specific um, timeline. And um, they were kind of um, having consultation with the doctors opting for uh, potential um, abortion. So it was that, it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, we we advise you to abort this, it's not looking like, it's not going to look great for you guys. And so, yeah, they got hold of us. It was actually uh, one of the uh, family members um, met the, the, the husband as an Uber driver. And then um, said, like, hey, like, go to, go to these guys. They'll pray for you. And uh, him, they came to us while she was pregnant. We prayed for her. Uh, the Thursday, Monday, she had a checkup scan. And... The brain was fully formed for whatever reason. We know what reason. Praise God. And the brain is fully formed. And yeah, the baby is now a year and six months old. She's healthy. She's strong. Um, Praise God. Amen. That's cool. Sick 
and stuff, but they'll be disengaged. <laughs> So a week inside, and my dad always says, my strap in my ankle, you know, don't think about it. Uh, but we pray for my ankle, obviously, and then I just believe that I don't need to go to hospital because I do my food. And it was the most excruciating, excruciating pain that I've ever felt. But I had my shot of brandy, and I sat in front of him. I still watch pay Confession time. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep, and the next day, I I was walking on my ankle, but it wasn't even 24 hours. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the, the thing I like about that testimony, all the testimonies in there, was really just it shows you that you can be watching Baywatch and get healed, or you, know, you, you, you can drink brandy and get healed. It's like the guy, it operates by faith, not, not that that stuff's maybe not necessarily unholy, but you get what I mean, right? I'll just share two testimonies in closing. Number one, um, uh, uh, I was. I like all those testimonies because it's not a ministry moment in the sense of pulpit. But here's a pulpit one. Uh, I was ministering in, in um, uh, a church in, in England. Um, I can't remember the town's name. But the, the, uh, I had a word uh, during worship. I wrote it down and then you know, got up to, to share my message. And before, In the middle of the message I said, Oh yeah, I almost forgot. I've got a word that there's someone here with deteriorating eye problem. Or like you've got a problem, eye problem, your eyesight's deteriorating. And the doctors actually said to you, There's nothing they can do. I want to pray for you. And then I just carried on with my message. And I had a cue <laughs> afterwards. Uh, 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 like there was about three or four people with that problem. And um, the, the, the last person was really funny because they, were, they said, um, I, um, uh, there's already been three other people. Like, it could, it's not for me then, is it? I was like, do you want it to be for you or don't you want it to be for you? And they were like, yeah, but is it for me? Because you said there's a person. And I was like... God doesn't mind. <laughs> There's enough power. So do you want this or don't you? You know, eventually I had to convince them. Now I've prayed for many people with eye problems and seen nothing. <laughs> like no, no improvement, nothing. And, uh, uh, you know, you learn not to kind of um, uh, go by even the results immediately, but just believe with someone and then just encourage them to, to keep looking to Jesus even if they can't see in front of them. And you just leave that, you know. And uh, the one lady that I prayed for there, um, I didn't get any like um, feedback until I think it was a year and a half later. That's in England. I went to Zimbabwe and I was ministering there. And a lady came up to me afterwards and said, you were in ministering in England and you had a word about eyesight. And I said, I remember that. She said, you prayed for my daughter who had very thick glasses. Her eyesight was deteriorating. She was scheduled for an optometrist appointment that week to get stronger prescription. And she was completely healed. She doesn't use glasses anymore. And I was like, that's awesome. Like, it's so encouraging, you know. Uh, uh, th- there's one. And uh, the other one completely went out of my mind. Oh, yes. <laughs> My son, William, he was about a year, uh, year and a half or two years old. And he was jumping on the bed and I was like, don't jump on the bed. He was about two years. And I said, don't jump on the bed. And he was jumping on the bed and I left the room when he wasn't jumping on the bed. And I heard him scream and I heard my mom, uh, my, my wife call me. And she was like, you know, come look. And there was blood because he had hit his face on the wooden part of our bed. And, uh, you know, I'd had a, a, a 
tooth accident when I was one, so I know kind of the drill with this and having to have dental stuff and all that. So that's the first thing that came to my wife and my mind. But we were like, no, let's pray. We prayed in the spirit. We laid hands on him. He's freaking out. We're rubbing sugar in his mouth to stop the bleeding and something sweet in his mouth and praying. And eventually the, 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 the bleeding stops and his lip went up black like a balloon. And uh, she's like, you know, what do we do? And I was like, let's just keep praying and then we decide. So we keep praying and the teeth are skew and everything as well. And you know what? Long story short, everything got back down to normal. And I mean, you can look in his mouth and see everything's fine. You know, uh, it took us uh, like everything. He was calm. Everything was fine immediately. But the, the lip was still big and black for two days, three days. Yeah, and we were just persistent in praying and releasing that power that we know is within us to minister to Him. And so this is something that the, the challenge I've got for us is don't just accept tragedies or big things like this is normal. But then also don't accept the easy to manage things as normal. There's no condemnation for using medication at all. Got a great teaching on it online. <laughs> but what I want to encourage you with is, is like take your medication and trust God. Until you get out to that place where you don't need your medication anymore. Not because you're saying, I don't need it, but you're half dying. But where you don't need it because you're legitimately healed. And you know that. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. So what good would a a service like this be without praying for people? So (laughs) if you've got a condition or something that you're trusting for, just stand where you are. And we're not going to ask you to come forward or something. We're just going to pray together. And just just trust that, that, that there's going to be a change in you. So if there's something health-wise, just stand up where you are. We're not going to ask you to say anything. And let's just, uh, let's just minister. So we've all got the power of God in us. Amen? So what I want is for, for us who are sitting to go and just put your hand on someone. You don't have to pray uh, in the sense of um, talk to them. Don't talk to them. You just pray in the Spirit, put your hand on them, and just just release power from within you. And I'm going to pray, and we're just going to trust God that there's going to be something significant happening this week in their body. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every sickness that's in this room, over every condition, and we just declare healing and wholeness in your body. I just thank you, Father, for the power that's within us. And we just stir it up right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that we are not deficient in power. And so right now I release the power of God into your body. And I declare you healed now in Jesus' name. Whatever is incorrect, be corrected now in the name of Jesus. You've been told that it's chronic, but right now I cancel that in the name of Jesus and I declare you are healed. Body be whole right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we have more than enough power inside us to see whatever condition in this room completely healed. I command every organ in your body to function properly now in the name of Jesus. Every organ be healed now by the power of the Spirit now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
We're expectant of good report this week, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you that, that uh, as we go into this week, we're going to see people's health improving, conditions fading away, medicine not needed anymore, things that, that, that people have been struggling with for years. We just break that over them right now and we declare them free from that condition. Right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You have the ability of God in you. And so whenever you feel something negative in your body, whenever you feel something going wrong, you just use that power that's inside of you by speaking into your body, by saying, in the name of Jesus, pain, go. In the name of Jesus, condition, be made whole, go. In the name of Jesus, whatever. But you can do this. Because you're a Christian. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.